Yeah, when I jump up on this pulpit, I don't want those mics to roll out, fall on the ground and break. I'll be standing up here. You guys are a tough crowd. Luke chapter 13. Man, we've been under the tent all week and everybody was liking it, obviously, loving it. Now here we are. It's like, oh, great. We're back inside. <clears throat> Luke chapter 13, beginning in verse 10. Luke chapter 13, beginning in verse 10. We're going to begin reading there. We're going to read through verse 17. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. 
And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. And he laid his hand on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day, and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work, in them therefore come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, Thou hypocrite. If not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox and his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these eighteen years, be loose from this bond on the Sabbath day? When he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Father, we come to you this morning, and we do ask that you would speak to our hearts through the Word of God. We are so grateful that we have a Bible that is true, and it is infallible, perfect. We thank you so much that we can come to that book, and we can glean from its pages, and our lives can be enhanced and encouraged and bettered because of it. Thank you for the hope that we have in Christ and the hope that we have in each and every day that we live because of this precious book and the promises that are bound in it. Now, Father, be glorified today in the midst. And Lord, again, walk these aisles and do a work in our hearts and lives. Fill me with thy Holy Ghost. Allow me to be your mouthpiece. Father, be with every listening ear that they may hear with spiritual ears. And Lord, may we leave different for having been here today. And if there be those that are without Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, may they settle their soul's salvation today before it's eternally too late. And for we in this place that have business to do with you, may you, Father, help us. And Lord, may you change us even this day as well. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. It's believed that the synagogue was in Perea. Jesus had been ministering in that particular region for about six months now, and his fame and his reputation, I'm sure, had grown exponentially in the area. It was customary for the priest to invite someone to share a message. This honor was extended often to members of the congregation, uh, from time to time, that is, and, and if there was a visiting preacher or there was a visiting priest, then often that would be the one who would be given an opportunity to share. In this particular case, Jesus Christ shows up. And because of his growing reputation and the, I think, the inquisitiveness even of those that were in charge of the synagogue, and because there were so many that were anxious to hear from him, it was difficult for the priest not to invite him to speak. And so now Jesus Christ stands and takes his place in front of the people. And while Jesus Christ is speaking, he spies out a woman who has a spirit of infirmity 18 years. Now we know that that spirit of infirmity manifests itself in a very physical way. The Bible tells us that this woman was bowed 
instead of standing straight, meaning she was bent. He captures the the eye of that woman and he says, woman, come forward, come here. The Bible tells us that he called her to himself and I'm sure because his reputation preceded him, the woman thought to herself, wow, is he speaking to me? Seriously? Is the master speaking to me? Is this Jesus, the one who I'd heard so many wonderful things about? Is he truly calling me to come to him? And sure enough, he was. And so she made her way to the Lord Jesus Christ. One can only imagine the crowd. I'm sure they're thinking to themselves, is he going to do it again? Is he going to demonstrate his mighty power again? Is he going to do it right here in front of us? Man, that would be awesome. Is he going to heal her on the Sabbath day? Can you imagine the priest, though? I can picture him just kind of scowling at Jesus as that woman makes her way up, just like, "Mm." he is not going to do that here and now. There's no way he is not. He didn't have to wait long for the answer. (laughs) The Bible says, And Jesus said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God, the Bible says. This woman was made straight. This woman who was bowed together was made straight. She had made her way down that long aisle, probably in much pain, after 18 years of being bent. And she made her way to the Master, and Jesus told her, you're loosed of your infirmities, and he touched her, and she stood for the first time in 18 years. And she glorified God. The priest is fuming about now. He makes his way to the front, And boy, he takes his place in front of all those people. And he looks out at the crowd and he glares and says, There are six days in which men ought to work. In them, therefore, come and be healed. And not on the Sabbath day. Jesus standing there says, Thou hypocrite. Doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan had bound, lo, these 18 years, be loosed from this bond of the Sabbath on the Sabbath day? What Jesus was really saying is, you mean to tell me that you will meet the need of an ox or an ass on the Sabbath, but this woman's need is to go unmet? You will show more concern for an animal than you will a human being? A provision has been made in the law to care for the needs of a a barnyard animal. Certainly there is provision extended to care for a person. 
And to that, his adversaries, the Bible tells us, were ashamed. And the people rejoiced because of the great miracle that they had just witnessed. Man, what a wonderful testimony of the superior and supernatural power of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, and he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight. It wasn't the next day, it wasn't even the next hour, it was immediately. And as I read this, I, I couldn't get away from this thought. That this woman who was bent together was made straight. Jesus made the crooked straight. Jesus made the crooked straight. Do you know that crookedness is not uncommon, but rather normal? You say, ah, that's crazy. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 5. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 5. The Bible says there in chapter 32, verse 5 of Deuteronomy, they have corrupted themselves. Their spot is not the spot of his children. They are a perverse and crooked generation. Wow. He's talking about a crooked and perverse generation. He's not talking about a handful of people. He's talking about a, a generation. The passage is referring, obviously, to Israel, who had corrupted themselves through idolatry. That's who he's specifically speaking to. They had rebelled against God. They had embraced the sins of other pagan nations. And when we think about being crooked, we can't help but think about rebellion and disobedience, about lying and cheating, about unethical and immoral behavior. In Psalm chapter 125, verse 5, the Bible says, As for such as turn aside unto their crooked ways, the Lord shall lead them forth with the workers of iniquity. Isaiah 59, 8, the way of peace they, sh they know not, and there is no judgment in their goings. They have made them crooked paths. So we learn that there's a crooked generation. There are crooked ways, and there are crooked paths. And you know what? As it was in that day, so is it today. We live in a culture and a society that could easily be characterized as being crooked or corrupt, whose ways or thoughts are evil continually, or so it seems, whose actions and deeds are rebellious and sinful in the sight of a holy, righteous God. And by the way, Satan is behind it all. The Lord made it clear in our passage that Satan hath bound her. Satan created this problem in her life. Satan was the one who did this in essence. The devil had plagued her with this infirmity. And ever since sin took place in the Garden of Eden, my friend, can I tell you that when mankind chose to rebel against God, they turned their lives over to none other than Satan himself. And now there are two families, and there are two fathers, if you will. One is God, the God of heaven, who created all things, and the other is the God of this world, little g, according to 2 Corinthians 4, 4. And we have yielded ourselves to him, and he is a harsh taskmaster. Crookedness is not that uncommon. 
It's rather normal. And Satan is behind it all. From the very beginning, again, Satan has sought to make the straight crooked. We noted already and mentioned the Garden of Eden. There he is in the form of a serpent, tempting Eve, who would ultimately offer the fruit to her husband, who willfully, dece- willfully disobeyed God. Satan is at the root of all of this crookedness. We see even after they'd been removed from the Garden of Eden and God had provided them provision in order to be right with Him through sacrifice, that ultimately they find themselves again after years being so corrupt, so sinful, so wretched, so evil, that it repented God that He had created mankind. And ultimately, after 120 years of allowing Noah to preach the truth that a flood was coming and that lives would be lost, the door of the ark was closed and a world ended as, we knew, as they knew it. The flood took place and the entire world was covered. Forty days and forty nights with rain. The devil... He makes things crooked. We think then after the flood and Noah and his family exit the ark and there God begins to work and move and begins to multiply again and replenish the earth. We come to Genesis chapter 11 and the people are trying to build a tower to heaven. A crooked and perverse generation. It seems to me that every time we turn around as human beings, we're headed in the wrong direction and doing the wrong thing and ultimately on a crooked path. But what we learn is that Satan makes things crooked, but God makes them straight. In Isaiah chapter 40, turn if you would there. Isaiah chapter 40. We'll be in Isaiah for just a couple verses, but since there's more than one, turn there if you would. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 4. Isaiah chapter 40, beginning in verse 4. The Bible says, Every valley... Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. Some of the crooked's going to be made straight, but hold on. Let's look at Isaiah 42, 16. Who in the world is going to do that? In Isaiah 42, 16, We read, and I will bring the blind by a way that they know not. I will lead them in paths that they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked things straight. Well, I'll tell you what, God's the one that's going to make the crooked straight there. Isaiah 45, verse 2. Someone says, well, this is Old Testament. Let me tell you something, humanity hasn't gotten any better. We're still just sinners at the root. Whether you live back there in uh, Israel's day when they were uh, wandering through the wilderness or possibly in the promised land or even in Egypt, boy, there was some crooked paths, crooked people. There was just some real crookedness. Can I tell you, it's not changed. 
And who are we kidding? We look in the mirror and we see crooked. Isaiah 45, 2. I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. Man, the Lord's going to do that work. And can I tell you, it doesn't matter how crooked you may be this morning. It doesn't matter how bound you may be by sin and vice. It doesn't matter how much of a skeptic or a cynic or how critical you may have been concerning God in the past. Can I tell you, God can make the crooked straight, and that includes you this morning. But don't be fooled into believing that you can do something to straighten yourself out. Don't be fooled. Jeremiah chapter 13 verse 23 says, Can the Ethiopian change his skin? Or the leopard his spots. Then may ye also do good that are accustomed to do evil. Well, the truth is the Ethiopian can't. Neither can the leper change his spots. The truth is, is that we can't change anything in and of ourselves in that regard. Years ago, we were renovating in the old building back here, back on Canton Road. And I, I, um, uh, we would have bundles of two-by-fours delivered from time to time. And you'd grab a two-by-four, and you'd find that it was as crooked as a dog's hind leg. I mean, that thing, did, mm, I mean, you'd say, what in the world is going on? And that was really frustrating. I mean, you're trying to frame, you're trying to do that kind of work. And I mean, so later on, you go back, of course, and, you know, you're trying to, you know, screw in the drywall, but the two-by-four is bowed, and you're going, shoo, 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 shoo. where's the two-by at? It's all bowed. It's all crooked. Now, I mean, I, there are times with a two-by-four that you can kind of kind of bend it back in to get something screwed into it and keep it straight. And of course, when you're strong as I am, you can do that for a lot of them. <laughs> but not all of them, right? And so I still remember because some of them, so many of them seem to be crooked and the lumber seemed to be so bad and it's not gotten better, it's only worse now. I'd go to the store and I'd rummage through all the two-by-fours and try to find the straight ones. That took time. You know why I did that? Because I knew I couldn't straighten them out. I couldn't do anything about it really in and of myself. And you know what? You and I are helpless to change in and of ourselves. There is no hope for the crooked except it come from Christ himself. In Luke chapter 13, we read already verses 12 through 13. Go ahead and turn back there to Luke chapter 13 again. It's our text verses. Luke 13. Verse 12. And when Jesus saw her, Luke 13, verse 12. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Man, I mean to tell you, Christ can get the job done. And I want you to see again, he called her to himself. You know what, 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ left glory and he came to this earth. And there he hung on Calvary and he shed his precious, perfect blood. His body was broken. His blood was shed. He was burned and he rose again the third day. Why? Because we were crooked and we needed to be straightened. And he called 
us unto him as well. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Can I tell you, do you recognize the theme here? Every time Jesus Christ has come to us, we must then go to him. He called to her and she came to him and then he touched her and immediately she was made straight. There is no escape for the crooked man or woman. There's no way you and I will ever find our way out of hell except we come to Jesus Christ who already came for us and we go ahead and walk up to him and humble ourselves and bow before him and admit our guilt and our sin before a holy righteous God and he reaches down and he touches us and immediately we're healed and we're saved. Man, that's the only hope of being straightened out. Because in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, the Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Everything's new. We're new creatures. Christ makes the crooked straight. We know that there's nothing that God can't straighten out. There's nothing God can't straighten out. You say, but I've already come to him for salvation. And boy, he straightened out my soul. But you know what, preacher? There are some things that are still a mess in my life. Do you know that he can straighten out your life? He can straighten out your marriage He can straighten out your children. He can straighten out your finances. And he can straighten out anything else in your life. You just need to come to him and do what he says. And he'll straighten it out. Boy, God's anxious to straighten it out. God's anxious to straighten things out in his people's lives. We know that the moment that we come to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we are placed into the family of God. We're given an eternal home in heaven. We have the divine nature. We know that Christ himself lives in us. And God would have something uniquely different for us than he would the world itself. He wants us to shine in a world. He wants us to be a light in darkness. He wants us to represent him on this earth. So as long as things are crooked in our lives, in our marriages, in our homes, in our finances, we look just like the world and we can do nothing to help the cause of Christ. We got to get it straight. And we're not going to get it straight on our own. Only he can straighten things out in our life. Philippians chapter 2, verse 15. Why don't you turn there? This is a powerful verse. Philippians 2, verse 15. Tell you what I want. I want that whole row of young men right there. Yep, second row. All of you come on up here. Johnny, you can join them because I know you really want to be up here because you really love the limelight. He does, too. Don't let him kid you. Don't you, Johnny? You love to be out front, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, pretty arrogant, prideful. He gets that somewhere. 
I don't know where. <laughs> okay, so there's these guys. But now listen to this verse, and then we're going to use them to show you something here. Matter of fact, why don't you guys go down off the stage now? Because it's going to be harder for them to see you with this hand in front of us. Yeah, line up right in front of the pulpit. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Listen to Philippians 2.15. That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Huh. Here's the picture. Everyone, if you know how football camp, some of you have been there, just put your hands on your knees like that and bow, get down there like that. Yeah, there you go. That's the picture of a crooked and perverse generation. Then, Because our, our woman with the infirmity of 18 years was what? Bowed. That pictured that crookedness. And this is what our society looks like. Before God, a crooked and perverse generation. And as believers, we're not to be crooked. We are to be standing. Now, hold on. You could walk in this room right now, and you would notice all of these guys, and some of them aren't bent over as far as others because, obviously, they're, they're, they're afraid to bend over. They're, they're like, you know, I mean, you, come on, bend over, guys. There you go. That's good. Right there. Crooked. That's better. You walk in this room, do you know, you'll see them, yes, but you know where your eyes will be fixed? You'll see the one standing. That one will stand out. That one standing will stand out amongst all those that are crooked. And that's exactly what Christ is saying about us as believers. We've got to get straightened out, but only Christ can do the straightening. And in your life and mine, we may be saved and we've been, our soul's been straightened out, if you will, but God wants us to be straightened out in our own lives. He wants us in a position where when people in the world come around looking, they see the rest of the crooked and perverse generation and we stand out like sore thumbs. That's what God's purpose is for you. You say, what's my purpose in life? To stand out like a sore thumb. To be uniquely different from the world in which you live. Not just in all just the way you, maybe you don't cuss like everybody, but your life is a shining light of the grace and goodness of Jesus Christ. People know you're his child and people watch how you live and they say there's something different about him. You know what? This is interesting too. You know what the devil does, don't you? Let's just say there was a string connected to his neck and to his big toe. And every time the devil, the devil wants to destroy, right? Man, he's got like a string tied. And he's like back here tightening it up. And he just keeps causing us to get more and more crooked. Oh, I think I'll smoke. I think I'll drink. I think I'll cuss. Mm. (laughs) You need some immorality. (laughs) You're an idiot. I hate your guts. You're so stupid. And we're over here going, this is living. This is life. Woo! And the devil's up there going, you're so stupid. I got you wrapped around my finger. Hey, let's throw another burden on your shoulders, another sin in your life. And as believers, if we're not careful, we end up there too. 
Go ahead, fellas. You can stand and go back. I'll loose you. I won't dare touch them, though. I don't know if they've showered. <laughs> oh, man. I can only imagine what they want to say about me right now. But anyway, I'm up here, though. Praise the Lord right now. The Bible says, If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. You know, we keep searching for answers to our problems. You got a marriage problem? Christ is the only one that can straighten it out. You're having a problem with work? He's the only one to straighten it out. Your finances are a mess? He's the only one that can straighten it out. A number of years ago, I knew somebody that had gotten sick, and they went to the doctor, and they were prescribed some antibiotics. They went to the pharmacy, and of course they had the prescription filled. They went home and took their first dose of antibiotics. And they took the next dose, and the next dose. And over the course of a couple of days, I'll be honest with you, they started feeling pretty good. I, I feel real good. And they stopped taking the antibiotic. And they did all right for the first day or so, but then all of a sudden, they started feeling bad again. I don't feel that good. What is going on? And so they went back and they started taking the rest of the antibiotics. And you know what? They started feeling a little better. But unfortunately, again, after they ran out of the antibiotic, they started feeling bad again. And so they went ahead, and after a while, they got tired of being sick. They went ahead, made an appointment to go see the doctor again. And so he, they went to the doctor, and, and the doctor says, what's going on? And here's what's happening. Well, well, well did you, you know, did, you know, did the antibiotics work? Well, yeah, they worked. But I, I'll be honest with you, doc, once I, I started feeling better, I stopped taking them. And that's your problem. You can't stop taking your antibiotics in the middle of the dose. I mean, you were prescribed a certain prescription. You got to take it all the way through. You can't just take a few of them and stop. But I started taking the rest of them, Doc. I did. I took them all. I know, but you got to take them all together. You, gotta, you, gotta, you, gotta, you were given a prescription. You got to follow through with the prescription. You got to do it the way I told you. It's right on the bottle. Do exactly what it says. Okay. Gives him another prescription. Goes, picks it up. The pharmacy, takes it home. He starts taking it. Do you know that after a couple days, he started feeling a little better again? But this time, I think he learned his lesson. He kept taking them until he finished the bottle. And you know what? He didn't get sick again. At least not that particular sickness. He's been sick since, obviously. If we had an antibiotic that could do that, we'd all be taking it. But, I mean, it's, it healed him up. It cleaned him up. It straightened it out. For the sinner or the saint needing straightened out, can I tell you the solution is right in front of them? It's Jesus Christ. He's the prescription. The problem is that 
Many neglect the prescription. Many of them choose not to come to Jesus Christ. If they would come to Jesus Christ, he could touch them and heal them, but they don't come to Jesus Christ. And sadly enough, others come to him. They begin to obey him. They do. Man, I mean to tell you, they, they, they start coming to church or they may even begin reading their Bible and praying and man, I mean to tell you, they're like, wow, this is great. Man, things are getting straightened out in my life and my marriage is getting better and my children are doing good and life is looking good. Finally. And they go, well, I'm feeling pretty good and they don't pick their Bible up one day. They, they, they skip their prayer time and they stop memorizing those scriptures that they once memorized and they stop going to church every time the doors are open and they've got a busy schedule now and things are going well and they just have to take care of some things and they drop the prescription, they stop taking it. And you know what happens, don't you, when you do that? Here's what happens. Can I show you? Uh-oh. And it's usually after they're really crooked that it dawns on them. I blew it. I stopped taking the prescription and the devil has weighed me down with weights and sin, which does so easily beset me. And now, I'm bound again. Oh, you're saved. Yes, I get it. Your soul is no longer bound. It's straight. God, the Lord Jesus Christ, healed you immediately. But can I tell you, the fact is, is that in our daily walk and routine, we've got to consistently and continually take the prescription, and that's Jesus Christ. That's being in the Word of God. That's being in the house of God. That's doing the things that He commands us to do. We have to be consistent and faithful because only Christ can make the crooked straight. Only He can take us from here to here. I wonder how, what state are you in today? Not, and, 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 Let's not compare ourselves to ourselves. Let's not compare ourselves to others. Let's compare ourselves to the perfect example that was left for us named Jesus. See, we're to be conformed to the image of Christ, the Bible says. We're to look like Christ on this earth. Why? Because there's a crooked and perverse generation and we're to stand tall in the midst of them that He might be seen and glorified. Compared to Jesus, would you say you're crooked at all? What's something in your life that you know doesn't belong there, that Satan is ratcheting down in your life and you're getting more and more crooked? Is it something you're watching, listening to, 
Is it someone you're hanging out with? Is it your thought life? Is it bitterness or unforgiveness in your heart and life that you will not bring to Jesus because you know he'll want to straighten it out by telling you to forgive? I want to encourage you to come to Jesus Christ this morning. If you're lost and without him, you don't know for sure heaven's your home and there's never been a time or place when you acknowledged your guilt before a holy God and you called upon him and came to him and fell on your face before him in humility and acknowledged your guilt before him, a holy God, and invited him into your life as Savior and Lord. This morning's a day to do that. Get it straight. And maybe you're a child of God already, but again, it's been getting worse. And it seems like it's getting worse. How long's it been since you've been straight with God? It was 18 years for the woman. She was bowed eight. 18 years, bent 18 years. Some of us in the room could say, I know some Christians that have been bowed for at least 18 years. They've not even come to church in that long. And they claim to be Christians. If we don't want to end up there, then we need to come to Jesus today and get straightened out. Father, we come to you. We ask, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, and we're so grateful today that you make things straight, Lord. Today in this crowd, there might be those that are without Jesus Christ, maybe those who have yet to receive and accept him as Lord and Savior. We're asking, Father, that you would convict them of their sin and show them their need of salvation. And Father, there may be vices in the midst of the believer's life today, Christians that are even here today that certain sins or vices or weights in their life have begun to cause them to bow instead of being straight. But Lord, they need only come to you and you will touch their life and you will straighten them out, straighten their finances out, straighten their relationships out, straighten their family out, straighten their mind out. Oh, God of heaven, we pray, dear God, that you would do this work in each life. We'll thank you. We'll praise you. In Christ's name, amen. Let's all stand to our feet.